step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. ESPN wants to buy the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And we know you probably want us to discuss the hot topic issue right off the bat, but we're going to make you wait. That's going to be topic. Isn't yeah. that like a store from back in the day. That's you want to talk about hot topic. That's where I buy my Funko pops. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, they have exclusives. So I do that there. Okay. They, they have nerd shirts now. I, I said feel... back in the day as if it didn't still exist. No, it, it definitely exists. still exists. It definitely okay. still exists. And I'm not scared to walk in there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, the way it was themed before was a little different. It was a little different. It was, it was like, a little different I don't back know. In this is yeah. not, this list store is not for me, but it's for everyone. It's a very mm-hmm. welcoming store. Anyways, National Predators get the win over the Detroit Red Wings and overall Glenn they're looking a lot better than they have all season and I I credit that to the youth coming and pushing them Mm -hmm. to be better and it seems like they're buying into whatever system John Hines wants to run a little bit more and for me I'm just going to lay this right out there too I still want them to make moves before the trade Mm -hmm. deadline I still want them to to sell where what they can sell. And if they make a playoff run with the youth, then they make a playoff run with the youth. That's great experience for them. But I don't think they should adjust their what their situation was and their strategy, what it was two weeks ago, to winning a few more games right now and putting them in oh, the playoff chase. No, no. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I still think that moves need to be made, but I think that there is security in knowing that you know what, these moves that we've made up until this point, for the most part, they are slowly working out. Like you said, they're buying into, that's what we finally have been seeing. <laughs> the buying into, John Hines talked about it post-game last night. <clears throat> we're not only seeing flashes of players playing good hockey, we're seeing a cohesive effort on the ice amongst most all of the players making that effort, buying into the system and actually believing it and playing into it accurately. And I'm, I'm so glad that this is where we are in this season because weeks and weeks ago, I think everyone was terrified of where this team could possibly be right now because it was very, very difficult to watch. And now the games are getting enjoyable to watch again. We aren't sitting back watching on pins and needles like, oh, just when is the other shoe going to drop? Now they're getting some wins under their belt. They're making a lot of, a lot more players are making a lot of the, those smaller, smaller contributions, smaller right moves. And it's all, it's all paying off in the end. So this is not like this team has completely done a 180 and now they're going to run off and chase the cup. Like, I don't think any of us are saying that, but I think that they're definitely, definitely showing that they're making strides towards becoming the team of the future. And it's like you said, that's a credit to the youth. 
Yeah, a team of the future is absolutely correct. And and that's what you want to see is the youth coming in and contributing. I mean, Ellie Tolvin, and we, we keep talking about him, but he's because doing so many. He's because doing so good. It's worthy to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, he's worthy to talk about. And Alexander Carrier has stepped right into a role and is playing, he's playing a huge chunk of minutes. Yet Roman Yossi back, that helps right there. Uh, sad to see Davies uh, be scratched mm-hmm. and sent back to the taxi squad because I'd rather see him in there than Ben Harper. And somebody mm-hmm. may, may ask why. I was like, well, Ben Harper, we know, we, we you know what you have with Ben Harper We've right now. Yeah. He's been a yeah. pro for six years now. Uh, he is a depth defenseman, which is totally fine and okay, but he is most likely like a, a first or second pairing uh, in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And it would be third pairing at best in the NHL, but most likely seventh or eighth defenseman. Jeremy Davies, it's only his second pro year. You're still trying to evaluate what you have with him, which I think the, the he's potentially a top pairing defenseman in three years, potentially, with what we're seeing in his ability that he's part of the evolution of the NHL defenseman. So I want to see him more. I want to see him more because, yeah, he's going to make mistakes, but I want to see him make these mistakes and learn from those mistakes and get better. Uh, Dante Fabro is one of those guys now that, I mean, it almost feels like because the team's so young with all the rookies playing that he's a veteran and it's only yeah. a sophomore season. <laughs> and I, I noticed a play last night that was a very veteran move. And it was early on in the first period. And I tweeted about this. Um, so if you want to adjust the time, you know, what, exactly when it happened in the game, check my Twitter. Uh, but Dante Fabro was beat by a half step on a puck that flew out of the zone and was being chased down by a Red Wings player. I can't remember which Red Wing it was, but he made the, the correct move that he was on the right hip mm-hmm. of the player, which was towards the bench side. So the player was closer to the net than Dante Fabro was of the opposing net. He made a move where you see the hockey players where they jumped sideways and can switch position on a player. He immediately switched positions because he knew he was beat and then was able to disrupt the play because he put himself in between the puck and the net. And instead of that player having a half step on him, getting a clean shot off on Eustasaros, he was able to get his stick and poke it around and make it to where that puck just went into the corners. So those little veteran moves like that, when you know you've been beat, instead of continuing to go in the same directional path that he was, which was staying on the right side of it and hoping that he could disrupt. No, he put himself in the right position to disrupt the play, to not put it all on the goaltender. Little things like that is the maturity you want to see in young players as they continue to develop. And that's why I want to see young players continue to play. Because if they come together and they make a run for the playoffs, that's even better because if they lose in the playoffs, then they know what it's like to lose in the playoffs already. Because it is difficult and they have that experience to build on together as a group. And that is so vitally important through a rebuild that they have experience together as a group to where when they go and they win, look what it does. I mean, we, we look back and this is not the same caliber because the Predators haven't had the luck of the draw to get this, but Chicago and Pittsburgh, when they were so awful that they were able to get Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and then Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin respectively. They knew what it was like to lose some games together before, too. I mean, Crosby came in and was scoring, but in order to build an actual Stanley Cup champion, it took a little bit, too. And, and then look, the year the Chicago broke through and finally won their first cup in forever, they beat the Predators mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the first round. Uh, so learning is everything. And that's what I'm liking right now is that they're learning a lot about this and we're seeing some buy-in. And, and I asked Matthew Olivier about it, that they've been reviewing a lot of film and a, lo- a lot of game tape and having discussions as a team. And I know people may scoff and roll their eyes at that, but it takes time and things don't flip a switch and instantly happen in the game. They have to take time to adjust. And you can see the adjustments have been made with a lot of these young players and the goaltending has stepped up a lot better too. I mean, Yusuf Saros has looked pretty good in these two games. I, I also asked him if it's credit to his mustache 
And he said, a, li- <laughs> a little bit can go credit to the mustache, even though it's a little bit goofy. <laughs> but it's also it's also moments like like you mentioned with Dante Fabro that that give those goaltenders a better chance of being a better goaltender every night because they're not being hung out to dry. So those are those little bitty moments that I was referencing earlier that don't show up on a score sheet, but a, a disrupted play helps a goaltender out because we've talked about this ad nauseum before when you let a goaltender just continue, continue to con- just to get peppered game after game after game. Yeah, that helps keep them active, but game after game, that's exhausting when your defense isn't stepping up. So when they're buying in, they're making those small moves, like you said with Fabro, and that's that's paying off for the goaltenders as well. And so where it stands right now, the Nashville Predators are four points out of a playoff spot. Uh, they're mm-hmm. four points behind Chicago, who has had it rough going three, six, and one uh, during their last 10 games. So I think they're adjusting to the mean that we kind of figured with Chicago that they might be in a five or six spot potentially. Uh, Columbus seems to be trending up. They're five, three, and two, even though they've lost their last game, but they're five, three, and two in their last 10. Nashville, obviously, trending up a little bit. Dallas, still just mid-level and even yet they have a lot of games in hand on every single team above them they have four games in hand on chicago columbus and nashville dallas is at 28 points chicago is at 35 points so as it stands dallas if they won all four of those games they have in hand would be in the fourth spot I mean, that's a big what if Mm-hmm. but that's why the number of games play a great amount of importance here too i mean we saw the nhl north division they're suffering their first postponements due to COVID. And it's going to adjust everything because this schedule is more and more crammed as it continues to roll on. They're pretty sure the playoffs are going to be delayed because they have to fit some of these games in somehow unless they just go, oh, we're going points percentage, which I think would tick off a lot of teams (laughs) to say points percentage, especially when you look at the standings, like, wait a second, because especially if they don't have a play-in round like they did last one, play-in rounds helped ease a lot of those troubles, but they're not going to have the time for it uh, this time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens as – the season plays out Nashville's schedule is fairly favorable to them as they close it out. I mean, they have Detroit again, they have Chicago, Dallas to finish out the month. They could realistically finish out this month with a winning record. And that would be what a shocker to a lot of folks. Uh, and, and then a huge confidence booster to this team as well. Oh, a tremendous confidence booster. Then next month for April, they have another two against Detroit, but they also have Tampa and Florida and Carolina, but the gamut is not as bad because they mix home in a way and they're not just on the road, but they show that they came together more on the road too. And the silver lining in it, and I'm, I'm not saying that this team is ready to make a run the silver lining again, to, to reiterate it, they are doing some good things to keep on learning, but they still need to make moves. I cannot stress that enough that they need to sell this team should not buy before the trade deadline, that it would be the absolute wrong move and it's in the wrong message to these prospects as well that have worked really hard right now, stepping up in the absence of injured players. The right message to let them have it and let them roll with it. And then you make some adjustments in the off season of what you can do. That's part of this rebuild, but you have to sell some of these players to continue to give young ones the ice time that they've earned and that they deserve. Yep. I mean, you said it, you said it so well, just, I don't really know what I can add to that. It's so, so true. I totally agree with you. Um, you don't want to mess that up. And this is, I mean, there's a reason why these guys are getting the call-ups and they're playing that at some point, this was the future of the national predators. And now we're getting to see it on ice. And I agree. They've earned it. They, they continue to earn it. And I mean, what, what was it? They had, they have dressed 10, was it 10 rookies? 
this year so far yeah something so far, like that I th- yeah i mean it's crazy it's, it's wild but they are getting that experience that is required in order to continue to play professionally in the nhl you have to get the experience somewhere and and they're getting the opportunity to get it so so go it. get it. So go, go get, get it. it. <laughs> okay, we have a great rest of the show for you tonight. We have Natural Predators goaltender Cosmer Koskispo joining us up next. And then after that, we'll have Predators prospect Tanner Jeannot, who's been with Milwaukee Admirals, but right now this season, because obviously the Milwaukee Admirals are not playing, he's been with the Chicago Wolves and having a fantastic year so far with them. But first, up next, goaltender Kazmir Koskispo here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And really excited for our next guest. Uh, he's had a taste in the NHL. He creates awesome content on YouTube. Lots of goaltenders look up to him and follow him for his content, just the behind-the-scenes aspect that he gives of, of life as a professional hockey player. And, uh, Glenn, we are joined now by Cosmer Koskiswo, National Predators goaltender. Cosmer, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me on. So it's been, I mean, off air, we're already talking, it's been a weird year. Uh, so just overall, what has this been like for you? I mean, it, the whole offseason happens, you sign with the Predators and everything, and then it's just been this weird condensed season. So overall, just what's it been like for you? Yeah, uh, weird is a good word to use. Uh, <laughs> but I think we're all lucky to just be playing games again and kind of getting back to our routine that we missed for almost a year. So yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot has happened since the uh, since the bubble and the last four years I was with Toronto. So obviously it's a big change going in free agency and then kind of liked how the setup that Nashville had to offer. And um, it's been it's been great so far. And joining the guys been really uh, very easy transition. Everybody's so welcoming and uh, nice. So it's been it's been a right decision for sure. And Casimir, you came in for Pecorine after that fifth Carolina goal a couple of weeks back. I've long since been intrigued by goaltenders for a multitude of reasons. But for one, having not started a game and sitting on the bench, watching the game play out, and then within seconds, you're out there. How do you stay mentally psyched, physically psyched when you're sitting there unsure of whether or not you're going to be in that game or not? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's obviously not ideal for to hop in, and especially in the third period with 15 minutes to go. But um, I've kind of started the last couple of years to do some stretching and trying to get some workouts done actually between periods if I'm not playing. So kind of like lower body dress, pads on and pants on, and just kind of try to get some squats in as much as I can just to be ready if anything happens, if an injury or, or stuff like that. So kind of be ready physically not being sitting there for two hours straight so uh but yeah everything like now thinking back like everything happened so quick when like you get the call and next thing you know like the puck's already playing and <laughs> you don't really you don't get too much time to warm up like pitchers do from coming out of the bullpen but uh, yeah mentally like obviously it was just fun i was i was trying to uh, enjoy it i haven't played in a year so um, just especially playing in my second career NHL game, like just uh, taking it all in and enjoying it. So um, overall, it was a good experience. I felt good out there. And guys, guys did a pretty good job for me only allowing three shots on, in 15 minutes. So I got to enjoy it a little bit, obviously, hoping hoping the team would have could have pulled off a win. But uh, now we move on. And looking back on that moment, I mean, like you said, you barely even have any time to think. So I was I was actually curious, like, what is that? What is that like, that skate over 
from the net to the bench like for you? Because this was your first game as a Nashville Predator. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, everything kind of happens quick. And like next thing you know, the game's already over. Like you, the less the less thinking, the better. It, it usually goals and goaltending pretty well. But um, yeah, I think Carolina scored like three quick goals in the first period. They kind of were on a roll there. And I think my heart started pounding pretty hard after that third one, but didn't, didn't uh, go in. So I hopefully uh, that kind of settled the worst nerves. And then uh, obviously when got the call to jump in the net and um, just trying to do, do the things we've been working on and um, just kind of play my game and go up to speed. And like I said, enjoy it. And last October, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Last October, you made this very creative space for fans to help you design your gear, which I absolutely love. So I wanted to talk about that. Like, what was the inspiration behind that? How did that come to be? And do you feel like that kind of helped get you that established connection between you and the Nashville fan base? Yeah, I mean, like I said, last four years in Toronto, like you kind of come up with all kinds of gear and mass designs during those four years of what could be but it was all Toronto based so now it was a new team and I didn't really have anything planned out what I wanted to uh wanted to do and obviously um you know I'm a hockey fan myself while playing the game so kind of understood how much the fans are craving that interaction and content pretty much so uh just figured I'll throw it out there and see if there's any any cool designs because there's a lot of creative people out there and uh, they know their, their predators pretty well and kind of what they've seen in the past with the goalies. So uh, yeah, obviously it turned out to be a little different with uh, the Milwaukee had like different colors and Nashville had different and um, ended up going with a little bit of Milwaukee colors for team, team guidelines. And, uh, but now I actually have a, Pred said coming in about a week. So excited to get some gold finally on my pads. And I'm sure we're going to see that in a, in a video as well. So because I know you just released <laughs> oh, a video sure. of, your, of your helmet too, which is pretty awesome. Nice and simple, like you said. And again, joining us right now is Kazimir Kaskaswope, National Predators goaltender. And let's, let's take a step back because, I mean, you've been in North America for a while now, since the 13-14 season when you play in the NAHL. Just what drew you to coming to North America? Was it that part of, hey, if I want to make it as a pro, I need to go over more quickly? Were you approached by the, by the NAHL? Just what kind of drew you over to coming and playing in, in North America yeah I can I can definitely say that my route's been very different from from others and uh as as late bloomer as possible I feel like but um yeah I was playing in the juniors in Finland for three years and I was never the starter I mean I had some good goalies in front of me like uh Corpusalo for Columbus and Lankinen who plays for Chicago now so uh, I was backing up those two guys so I I wasn't losing to like nobody so I, they're they're really good good goalies for sure but um yeah I felt like I was stuck a little bit and then I had one more year as a juniors left and um there's not a whole lot of college guys from Finland at the time and there's only a handful and I all I played with all of them and they were good friends so I kind of learned about the college route from that, those guys and um yeah I had one one year junior eligibility left and just kind of talked to my advisor it was either trying out for a USHL team or taking a going to division three college right away. So 
I was actually kind of thinking both of those options at the time and decided to go one more year juniors and try it out for uh, Tri-City Storm in the USHL and did not make the team. And so it was cut from the camp. And then um, that was during the summer. So then just flew back home to Finland and uh, waited to hear back from my advisor. And then just one day got a call that you want to go play for the Minnesota Wilderness in the NAHL? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So... <laughs> very different kind of story <laughs> it is but but you made it and you you formed a career out of it too and and we're seeing as well that what's what's unique about you with the content you create is that you're willing to be open about things and it's not to, to disregard what other athletes feel like but you've been very open with conversations and understanding the hot the business side of hockey as well and everything what has inspired you to to be open like that to telling stories and giving that behind the scenes look because you're I'm not trying to just build you up, but you're very good at it too, of putting these behind the scenes looks that people want and they, they crave and it gives people an inside look. So what has inspired you to be that way? Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes from, comes from just being stuck in quarantine when COVID first hit. And then, um, you know, like I said, as a hockey fan myself, I, I was trying to think like, what, what do the fans want right now? And I feel like, doing something different like that with YouTube was um, obviously I'm, I'm still a little uncomfortable doing that stuff and I don't want any, any of my teammates to know, but uh, a couple, I think a couple of them do, but, um, but yeah, it's, and the, the feedback's been, been great. So that's, that's the only reason I keep doing it. If there was anything bad to say or the team didn't want me to do it, then obviously I'd shut it down, but I got a lot of traction and, um, the feedback's been great so I definitely see that there's a demand for it but I think it was it was funny just today there was something about NBA is doing a much better job of uh, marketing their players and all that kind of branding their players and stuff like that so uh, yeah I mean I feel like I'm like the one of the only guys who's doing this stuff and I, it's kind of different in hockey circles but uh, just trying to keep it as positive as I can and kind of trying to create the content that uh, like me as a young hockey player growing up would have loved to see. And that's the behind the stuff, behind the scenes stuff. And I think every year when there was the winter classic and they did like the road to winter classic, like that's, that's probably my favorite show ever. Like just watching like NHL players live and what they do day to day and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I can provide a little bit of that. Well, while keeping it positive and keeping it team friendly and uh, not, not causing, causing any chaos because <laughs> right. that would be the last thing I, I want to do. But um, yeah, it's, it's been fun for sure. And uh, the fans seem to like it. So might as well keep it rolling. Yeah. They do. You built a community. And I mean, I, I love the logo too. The logo is pretty, pretty awesome with the gear that you're selling it. And through discord as well, you've created a great community of people that a lot of them are goaltenders. So it's really cool for them to have someone that they can interact with as well, which is really neat. And uh, part of the lifestyle that you share in there is, is a vegan lifestyle, especially with eating. I know that can't always be easy, especially on the road and traveling. And you even share those stories as well too. What inspired you to have that type of lifestyle and everything too? And me as someone, I'm trying to eat healthier now and be more active, especially coming out of the quarantine periods where I think a lot of us gained a lot of weight because we weren't able to be too active. Just what are some tips and tricks for those people that are trying to look for healthier options and healthier choices in their lifestyle? Yeah, I think it all, all started about a year and a half ago. Um, just kind of saw that that Game Changers documentary and guys always kind of pick on me like, oh, you watched the Game Changers? Like, like yeah, I did. But then that started, that like started me to go more 
into depth and like do some more research and uh, found out that there's all these benefits and were like, I noticed that I was just eating stuff that I was just used to eating. I wasn't really, you know, whatever was given, like I was eating and pretty basic stuff. And that kind of made me realize that maybe putting a lot more emphasis on my diet can really uh, give me a, give me a competitive edge. And I feel like I've done that so far. And, um, yeah, doing all that research. And then obviously our daughter has this rare, um, rare condition where, uh, she's kind of has a protein allergy, you could say it. So it's pretty mild and she's doing good. She's living a normal life and all that stuff. But when she was first, first diagnosed, she was supposed to be on meds for the rest of her life. And um after being vegan for about four months and we did all her testing again and all the numbers were better so uh she doesn't need to be on meds anymore so that's that alone is like uh big enough reason for us to uh go plant-based but yeah i mean stuff like that especially when you pay attention on um what you're eating and i don't i don't want to say that plant-based is like a restricted diet but in a way it is in a good way like there's brownies at like some team meals and stuff so i can easily like oh those are not plant-based so i can skip them so that all that already is a healthier healthier right. diet for me so um yeah i mean the team has been really helpful too with the with the breakfast and lunch and all food while traveling and uh now especially now ordering food there's a lot of uh different plant-based options even those delivery apps and, and stuff like that so that was the one thing I was nervous, like traveling with the team and how teams are going to accommodate that kind of stuff. But uh, everything's been great and the Preds have been really good at it. So um, it's been making my life easy. Awesome. So before I have to let you go, because we are running on break now, I know you've been watching the Marvel movies and everything too. Do you have a favorite that stands out to you as in terms of movie and, and how far along in the MCU are you? Because I know you've just been kind of trudging along right now with all those movies. There's so many of them. Yeah, we we were on that two week road trip, so I'm I'm done now. <laughs> so <laughs> got through all the movies, all the movies that are on Disney Plus. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say a favorite movie. I think all I didn't like realize that there really was a one long story, even though it was completely different movies. So that was fun to watch it in timeline order. I've seen movies here and there, but. Now it all kind of made sense that mm -hmm. you had the time before my family came to Nashville and uh, with all the, all the road trips that I got to watch those and keep my memory fresh and kind of go through the whole story. So um, yeah, really, I mean, it was either that or watching the Star Wars movies again. So I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad I picked the Marvel movies. But <laughs> yeah, I think I'm like halfway through uh, WandaVision now. So Excellent. at least there's something more for me to watch. And every week there's Falcon Winter Soldier to start up too. So you're, you're set for a while. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, well, a lot Kazimer, of coming up too. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, Casimir, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate you uh, helping us get to know you a little bit better. Perfect. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, it was a good little chat and hopefully the fans enjoyed it. There you have it, Casimir Kaskiswo, great content creator, started that up because of the pandemic and great to just talk with him and learn a little bit more about him, Glenn. And, He's a great interview. He is a great interview. And I'm, I love that he is so open. Like he said, it's not very hockey centric to, to do stuff like that. I mean, the hockey right. world, 
we on the outside really don't get to see a lot of NHL players personalities there's just not really a space for it and I love that he's taken it upon himself to create that space um, because there really is such a great opportunity to engage with your fan base and also just establish that connection because oftentimes you know when when fans can't really get a good insight onto a player's personality all they really know is what they see on the ice and that's it. So they really sometimes don't feel that connection. And he, he definitely is creating a space for them to be able to do that. And I love, I love seeing that in this league. Well, make sure you go and follow him on YouTube. He has a verified channel, Cosmer Koskiswo, and he has great content behind his content, even with his family, what is happening during games, cooking, his, how he spends his free time, all of his goalie gear as well. So if you are a goaltender gear person, that is definitely the channel to subscribe to. He also has a Discord as well, where you can chat with him sometimes too in his Discord. He also has merch. So it's a great, great what, what he's doing and setting himself up for a great future as well, whenever that may be when he's done with his with, with hockey. Okay, up next, we have Tanner Janot, National Predators prospect, currently with the Chicago Wolves. That's up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And continuing our talk with National Predators players and prospects, we're joined now by Tanner Janot. He's currently uh, back with the Chicago Wolves right now, but had his taste in the NHL recently. Tanner, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just first of all, I mean, the weirdness of the season uh, has been a little interesting, but being able to play in Chicago and at least being able to play, just what's that been like to know that, hey, I know this has it's been a tough time, but hey, you still get to get to, get to get to play the game that you love. Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, there's a time there in the long extended off season that everyone was kind of thinking like, well, when is this going to get back to normal and we're going to be able to do what we love to do? So, uh, yeah, it's definitely nice when things got sorted out and everyone got a plan in place to get this season up and running. And uh, it's been uh, it's been good so far and been playing games just like normal year. Well, not like a normal year, but, (laughs) you know, a little bit more just playing playing hockey. And it's been good. And Tanner, I want to talk about Chicago. The Wolves are obviously running on all cylinders right now. Um, You and Tommy Novak currently leading the team in points. Um, What is your personal focus out there, going out there, just trying to play your best game? I mean, right now you're, you know, like I said, you're leading the team in points. You ended up having a three-point game in your last game against Iowa. Where is your headspace at? Are you thinking about that type of thing, or are you just getting out there trying to play your best game? Yeah, I think it's just like you said, I'm, I'm just going out there and I'm trying to use uh, whatever ice time and opportunities I'm getting to improve my game and, and play the best I, that I can. And I think that's how it is for everybody. Anytime you're stepping out on the ice, you just want to do everything you can uh, to help your team win. And because uh, that's the name of the game is just winning hockey games and everyone likes uh, winners. So you, you just do everything that you can to help your team in the in that moment and um this year is a a special year with for me at least with uh you know maybe there's more opportunities available because there are guys on taxi squads and that would normally be um in the american league so i'm just trying to use the opportunities that i've been given uh to the max and uh just trying to get better and improving my game in all areas 
And as a player during this strange year, I know the last two games with Chicago were postponed due to COVID protocol. What is that like for y'all as a team when, I mean, the NHL is doing it, the AHL is doing it. You're all of a sudden you get into this routine, you have these games on the books, and then you're told, you know what, you're not going to be going into this game like you thought you were. So what is that like for y'all as a team mentally? And how do you guys use that time to kind of help prepare for upcoming games and maybe use that to your advantage? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. Like, uh, but that's part of the, you know, being a pro and the learning process of, you know, just what, what's happening this year. Um, so you just, you just kind of have to go with the flow the best you can be the best pro that you can by keeping your body in game ready shape and just ready to go at a moment's notice because no one, no one knows what's coming. There's always curveballs being thrown and everyone's in the same boat. So, um, the team's done a good job of just being together and holding everyone accountable and, uh, just making sure that we're all ready to go when we need to, uh, be in that moment. Again, Natural Predators prospect Tanner Janot is currently with the Chicago Wolves joining us here on Penalty Box Radio. So, Tanner, I know you've been asked this multiple times just because it's the question to ask, but you got the call up and you got to have your first NHL experience. And I believe I read an article where you just said it was surreal. And that obviously seems like the appropriate word for that as well. But knowing this has been a weird season, too, for you to get that opportunity, what really was going through your mind? Because you know a lot of things to expect to happen, but things are always going to be different when you actually experience it in person. So just what was going through your mind before and during that game? Yeah, uh, it, it was definitely, I'm going to use the word again, surreal, <laughs> because it, that's really what it was. You kind of build it up in your head, what you think you might be like and uh, what you think, how you think you might react and how you, what feelings you might be feeling, but uh, you really don't know until it happens. And I think uh leading up to the game it didn't really hit me and and then all of a sudden I'm stepping out onto the ice to do my solo lap uh in warm-ups and it's it's almost like you get lightheaded with just all the things and emotions going through through your mind um it's it's a crazy experience it was something that uh, I've worked my whole life to to do and uh, just to kind of get that little taste to, and realizing it, it's just making me hungry for more. And that's uh, uh, going back to just trying to get better. It's uh, that's what I want, where I want to be full time. And uh, it's that little taste is driving me to continue to improve my game so I can be there full time. No, absolutely. And, and we're seeing so many opportunities due to injury, unfortunately, and things happening uh, with the club right now, too, that so many players have been given opportunities to, to get NHL experience, too. What was it like with the team there as well in terms of while being welcoming and a lot of these veteran players and everything too, just, I guess, a little behind the scenes on how they made you feel welcome during your call-up and during the time when you're preparing to go on the ice to make your debut? Yeah, they were great. Uh, there's a lot of uh, veteran guys that have been around the league a long time and uh, they made it really easy for me. Um, you know, just if any, everyone was really approachable, if I had any questions about the system or anything like that, um, but, uh, it was just kind of, it also helped just with their sense of calm and, you know, they, they've all done it before and just being around that definitely helps you just to know that it's just another hockey game and, uh, all you have to do is to play your game and play hockey. So that was really good. Um, there's great leaders on that team that lead the way. So it was, it was good.
And a question we've been asking anytime we're having one of the prospects come on from Chicago is it's a unique situation because there's prospects from two different clubs playing together. So it is very unique, especially when they're the same division in the NHL. So playing against guys that your teammates with when playing in the A. So it's a very unique situation, but also playing with other top prospects from another club too. What's that situation been like? I'm sure it's like it's joked around a little bit at times, sometimes too, but also being able to play with other good prospects from another club. How does that, how has that been for you? It's, it's been different, but also like interesting as well. And it, it's, it started off the first days when we got here that uh, it was a little bit weird just <laughs> because you're used to going to NHL camp and then coming to the A and you, you're with the same guys that you were just with and everyone knows it, everybody. So it was different coming in and seeing this whole other half of the team being from a different organization. But I feel like everyone has gelled together really well. We've, we're one team here where the Chicago Wolves were not Nashville prospects and Carolina prospects. Um, so it, it's been really good dynamic here and we have a really good group here. So it's been really easy. Um, but yeah, it does get interesting when, when you start to think about, well, I, when my first game it was against Carolina, so right. if there was any, anyone that I could have been on their team the week before and then playing against them the week after. And I think that actually happened. Uh, when Nashville was on their road trip, they're they're playing against Carolina, and uh, Morgan Geeky was playing for Carolina, and we had guys that were in Chicago. So it's just kind of funny how that works, but uh, it's it's different, but it's been good and fun, and like I said before, it's just hockey. Everyone's playing to get better and get to that next level. And you'll definitely never forget it either. <laughs> forget this interesting, yeah. unique year. Well, before we have sure. to let you go, we'll ask some get to know you questions because to help people get to know you, I'm going to kick it off, Glenn, um, and then hand okay. it over to you because we actually had somebody submit this question uh, because you're okay. in Chicago. Let's see if you've been able to explore some of the, the food, the finer foods of the Chicago area. Oh. And someone's asking if it's Portillo's or Al's Italian beef, if you've had either one of those. Uh, I haven't had either of them, but there is a Portillo's just down the road from where I am, so I might have to try that out right away. <laughs> I have got some deep dish pizza, and that's good. All right, there you go. There, there's the saving grace, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that you have been binged watch something during quarantine. So, what was your favorite thing that you binged this past um, year? <laughs> well, yeah, more than more than one thing <laughs> we've done. My, my girlfriend and I are watching all of the marvel movies in order uh from start to finish and we're right now we're watching uh on netflix it's called hotel cecil it's a little bit of a mystery one but uh definitely more than more than one thing we benched in the in the off season yeah um justin is huge on marvel so y'all have that in common i i'm not familiar with it at all but um (laughs) what is your favorite sports movie of all time Favorite sports movie? Um, well, there's lots of them. I like, um, I like, I guess, I like the Friday Night Lights one, the, that movie. Just okay. this, the story of it and like, I don't know, it, it just gets me pumped up and ready to do a workout or something. So it's fun. It's a good one. And it doesn't end the way you think it's going to end either. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I like about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. One of your favorite sports memories from childhood? Ooh, uh, that's another tough one. Um, <laughs> I know. I don't go easy on people. With this, so. <laughs> um, I would say just like my 
my t- overage year in junior, um, it, it was just, that was one of the best years of hockey that I've had so far. We, we had an awesome team. We finished, we won the league, the regular season and in, in the WHL and got to do it with guys that I've, I played with my whole career in Moose Jaw. So it was just a really special year to be able to do it because of the guys I was with and how good we did. And it, was, it wasn't the way we wanted to end it, but it, it was just one of my favorite years so far for sure. Love it. And um, favorite sports team growing up, whether this was hockey or baseball, football, <laughs> what was your, what was your thing as a kid? Uh, well, for the sports, for baseball and basketball, I guess it was Toronto because those are the Canada teams. <laughs> um, <laughs> hockey, I was always a Canucks fan just because I don't know why my brother was a Canucks fan. So I was a Canucks fan. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Glenn, any more? That was it for me. That's it. All right. No, just got last question before we let you go then is do you have a certain song or type of music that gets you most pump up for a game or is it just whatever your teammates are playing in the locker room? Uh, I like all kinds of music. Um, If I was just playing it on my own and not in the dressing room, then it'd probably be like some rock and I like rap too, but uh, it'd probably be more like, like uh, I don't even know really any kind of rock just not Taylor Swift some fat fast-paced <laughs> stuff I, I like I like country. that's probably my favorite genre is country music anytime go. I'm just listening to music it's country music but if I'm trying to get amped up I'm probably listening to rock all right so you heard of your post Nickelback that's the one right <laughs> yeah I like Nickelback there we go see yeah. <laughs> well, and the it. stigma yeah, there we go. See, uh, hey, um, my DJ in my beer league room, that's what he plays whenever we win. So he's got he's to rock some nickel back. Well, Tanner, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on your call up. And we hope to see you here in Nashville even more. Awesome. Thank you very much. And big thanks to Tanner Janot for joining us right there. Uh, a prospect and, and Predators heavy one with player guests uh, in this show, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves Marvel. So Everybody's, I love Marvel. I mean, you're you're right in with it. I love it. I I know it's tough for you to sit and watch a long movie, but <laughs> I know. I think I watched Captain America. I think that was the one. I yes, watched. I, I think you have seen that one. We've talked yeah, about that one. I think before. we talked about it. Yeah, we talked you're about like, that but, one. But what about the other? And I'm like, yeah, I, but, I don't know. But there's I, more. I don't know what was going <laughs> on. More. I didn't say I understood it. I just watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but a big thanks to Tanner Janot for joining us, and hopefully we see him back in Nashville soon. Okay, up next the hot issue that everyone's been talking about on Twitter, social media, about the NHL, everything, the hot mic of Tim Peel leading to him being basically fired without saying fired uh, for the rest of the season. We're going to discuss that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and it is time. It is time to discuss this hot topic, the hot mic of Tim Peel in the Predators versus Detroit Red Wings game. If you haven't heard it, it is all over Twitter. We cannot air it on these airways because it contains an expletive. But we're a, basi- a family-friendly show. We are a family-friendly show. Uh, it, it, it basically catches him discussing, and apparently the Matt Duchesne earlier on these airwaves on 102.5 of the game said that he was actually talking to the Predators bench and saying that he had to call a penalty on, he wanted to call a penalty on Nashville early. And as a makeup call, 
basically. So that that's the gist of the situation. Tim Peel was it was stated that he will not be doing any more NHL games this season. He was also set to retire at the end of the season. So it brings into question the whole, are they actually going to address this issue or was this just taking care of one guy making him the scapegoat? Glenn, you're up. I mean, it brings up, it brings up so many things for me. It brings up so many things. I, I want, I have to question, you know, if he wasn't already set to retire, would this have been handled the same, but we'll never know that. Um, also brings up what you said, is this going to be addressed or is this just their way of addressing saying, oh, we're going to take away the rest of the games for his season. And then that's it. Also, it brings up the fact that most all of most all of us know, and I know this because I saw it on Twitter all night and all day, most everybody has said, well, we know that there's always makeup calls. I mean, and then Matt Duchesne saying on these airwaves 1025 this morning, saying that he was saying that to their bench. It's not a secret, right? Like he wasn't even trying to hide that. Now, when he said he was saying it to their bench, I don't know if he was talking to them because he did say against Nashville, but I feel like I interpreted that as he was speaking it to the other linesman right in front of the Nashville bench, making it no secret at all. Like this is just normal conversation. This normally happens in games and the players are supposed to just be able to shrug it off. That in and of itself is a, is a huge problem for me because that shows me that there's proof that there's emotion that comes with managing these games when it's supposed to be following a rule book. They're supposed to be enforcing a rule book from the NHL. But the fact that everyone always says, well, we know this always happens. That's just become part of the game. And if you truly, truly are the NHL and you truly want to grow this game, how can you expect to grow that if there is a fan who's watching their first or second game ever and they saw that game last night and they heard that and they see these conversations, they hear these conversations happening. Well, well, we all know makeup calls exist and they're brand new to the game. And they're like, what? So I, so I shouldn't really believe the refs when they call these plays like what, you know, that would leave any fan probably with a bad taste in their mouth, to be honest. And so that's problematic for me because if you do say that you want to grow this sport, you want to grow the National Hockey League. I think that's a very, very poor representation of, of managing a game. Um, so it, it's, it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating. I was one of those people that was not at the game and I watched it on TV and I thought to myself, did I hear that right? So I backed it up and I, and I heard it right. And I was just thinking, and then all of a sudden, before I could even get my thoughts <laughs> gathered, it blew up. Um, and so, I mean, like I said, we won't, we won't get any answers to my first question of, you know, would this have been handled the same um, had he not been retiring? Because everyone knows Tim Peel's name. You know, it was, it was interesting to see how many people across the league were like, oh, well, shouldn't be surprised, you know, coming from him. So, Justin, it just it just brings up a lot. So, it what does. are your thoughts? 
It, it really does. And, and you hit on a lot of those topics. And, and for me, the way I look at this is there's a reason why two segments of Twitter responded the way they did. One segment was responding with, this is absurd. This is absolutely, I can't, I, I, I believe that I believe it happens, but I can't believe that he would say this and get caught doing another one. And the usually everyone knows that makeup calls happen. That is not a shocker or a surprise statement to anyone. The surprise to me is is so many people that are okay with that and saying that, well, that's just part of the game. That's the excuse. Mm -hmm. Using it's just part of the game as a reason for any sport is the most lazy excuse. One one of the most lazy excuses I can think of to say, well, that's part of the game. It's not going to change. Games change all the time. Games evolve all the time. So why, why can't hockey? Why can't hockey culture change and be better? Why why are we just going to be like that? Eh, well, the integrity of the sport's okay, even though this thing happened. I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists that thinks that Tim P was betting on anything. No, he was saying something that is said all the time by officials to other officials, to other guys in the ice and things like that, that makeup calls happen. But makeup calls don't need to happen. Call the game fairly. It's about the integrity. And one of the reasons why I think the NHL did what they did is because sports betting has gotten a lot bigger and they're all in on sports betting. You have to have a game that has integrity if you're going to be allow people to bet on it as well. But it's not even about the betting for me because I'm not a better, even though I, I, I'm trying to learn more so I can understand and talk about it. But it's about the integrity and growth of the game, like you said, Glenn. And if we're just going to accept a poor product and accept that a product can be poor like that, then how's the game going to grow and get better? Just because something's happened the same way for decades does not mean it can't change. It doesn't mean that it should be okay either. There are so many times in history I can revert to and people be like, well, yeah, no, well, come on, that's a stretch. But it's a similar analogy when you look at it because it, it means you're saying you're not open to evolving a game to make it better. The two-line pass used to be a thing in the NHL. They didn't always used to be a trapezoid. Goaltending gear changes all the time too. There's so many different things that's changed to evolve the game, whether it's good or it's bad. They test things out. There's been so many different ways they take face-offs. How offside is determined. We've seen that just if your foot can be in the air or not. The game is getting faster and faster and faster. And the NHL officiating is not. It's not keeping up. And we've seen this so many different times, whether it's with goaltender interference or the offside rule, things like that, that it can't keep up with certain aspects of the game. And if folks can't keep up, then they need to be gone. This, this game is built upon, they're supposed to be the absolute best in the business. And there's got to be others out there that can absolutely do it right. The biggest part to me is about communication. Communicating with the players on the ice and with the coaches and have an open communication. And I'm, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of players and coaches that are fine with makeup calls as well. Like, well, yeah, I mean, if they're going to make a mistake, they're, they're going to give us one back, but it shouldn't have to be that way. That's not integrity in the game. That call was so weak against Victor Arvidsson. How many weak calls have we seen made in the NHL? And then when it gets to the playoffs, the whistles are swallowed. It's overtime, not calling anything. A guy could be getting murdered on the ice mm-hmm. and nothing's happening. And he's getting pounded with his, with his head into the ice. Yeah. And, and nothing, nothing's getting called. Whereas you have a guy that goes and flops and all of a sudden it's called. That's about the integrity of the game. We, we say playoff hockey is the best hockey. Well, if that's the established way they're going to call the game, then call it that way. I want consistency and officiating. I want to have integrity so the game gets better. So we know what to expect. If the officials communicate to the players the way they're going to call the game and they do it right off the bat, they're st- establishing the precedent right there. 
that's that's what you need to do. If you want to manage the game, then you set the precedent instead of making up for it in the third period because you made a mistake and you're like, oops, probably should have caught a little bit more. So I'm going to make up for it in this period right here. No, that's not integrity. That's you're managing the game and you're letting it get out of hand because you let it get out of hand. Not anybody else's fault because the players are playing the game the way that you're calling the game. They adjust. And I've talked to plenty of players on that about adjusting to the way a game is being called. They do. So you don't have to do a makeup call. You call it when it's a penalty and you don't call it when it's not. That to me right there is the, I know it's the simple way to look at it right there, but the NHL has got to investigate this more and actually come out and be truthful with it too, of holding a higher standard because yeah, he's gone and ends up, he's retiring and people are like, well, well, there it's gone now again, nothing, nothing's going to come of it as well. Prove to fans and prove to people that you actually want to make the game better and that you want them to respect the game. You want officials, you want players, you want them to respect the game. There's been so many times when officials have made mistakes and I'm sure they got reprimanded in private, but there's got to be ways to, to address official officiating mistakes without embarrassing the official all the time, but also address it as a league and say, we've got to be better at this. This is what happened here. We're going to be, be better. And it's been corrected. Just address it. You've got to address the, the elephant in the room, the monkey in the closet. You've got to address those situations for the game to get better for everybody to have a clear understanding to respect it. Cause with technology nowadays and how we can slow things down so much, we can nitpick all we want. I know officials, they're human. They're going to make mistakes and everything too, but communicate that with coaches say, Hey, I made a mistake there. I saw this is what happened and you know, I'm going to be better, but no makeup calls. I'm sorry. This is just the way the game is played. Everyone comes in with an understanding that things are subjective mm -hmm. That's sports. When you don't have machines that are operating it, that sports are there that's subjective, but a makeup call is managing the game that I don't want to see. I don't need it to be even. Some teams are going to take five more penalties than the other team. That's fair because they're playing dirtier and not following the rules. If you don't follow the rules, you shouldn't be rewarded with makeup calls to make it more even. That's integrity of the game. Communicate. We see it in lower leagues that officials would communicate with beer league players or youth players high school players communicate with the players on what the expectations are and what you're going to call and how you're going to call it. Communication's key. Talk to each other. That's what I want to see as it continues to grow. Yep. It is all, like you said, it's all about integrity. I mean, they have fans who want to know that they're watching a fair game. They've got, like you mentioned, gambling sponsors, and this is, this was their opportunity, you know, to be that league of integrity to hold those people accountable, but you don't want it just to stop because it became very, very apparent that this is not just an incident with Tim Peel. This is an incident, not even an incident. I mean, this is just a nightly occurrence that just happens in front of players' benches and they're supposed to just be okay with it. Um, when, like you said, I mean, if they've played well the whole game and the other team has made stupid, careless mistakes, why should that other team have to to pay for that just because they want it to be even we're not watching this to have an even game we're watching to have a fair game to watch fair and if you're if your team goes under five penalties then that's what happens to your team okay that's, that's moving right see. along you know yeah. so it's just you can only hope that this starts a much larger conversation hope. Um, <laughs> because you can hope that's our hope um but yeah, I did see a lot of people say it was just blown out of proportion because this is this is just what we've all come to expect. And I, I hate that it's gotten to a point where people Acceptance, are saying that yeah. we have just have to come to accept this. And I also, I also think it's horribly bold to go over and say that in front of that Nashville Predators bench. Right. I really do. Like, 
it's so frustrating to me if I were an NHL player and he was saying that in front of my own bench saying I've been waiting to call I've been wanting to call this on Nashville I I do not want to accept mediocrity right there that's I'm not I'm not going to accept it when it's professional supposed to be the best league in the world that's the thing Mm -hmm. they talk about it being the best league in the world then be the best league in the world do not accept mediocrity All right, folks, if you missed anything, PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Subscribe to the podcast as well so you can always get all the podcasts we have on our network. And that's on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitch. You can find them all there. And plus plenty of post-game videos where I ask you to start spot mustache and everything there. We appreciate you tuning in. For producer Max, as always, thanks for taking care of us. And Glenn Blockless, Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.